He needs our presence in the process. So I'm getting to what I really came to share about today. There is something about the power of an activated priesthood. The power of his presence in believers who are actually present. We minimize our impact, especially when it comes to gathering. And that's what I'm going to talk about today a little bit. There is this amazing thing that happens, guys, when we gather together. Where two or three are gathered together, what does he say? Answer it. There I am in the midst of them. Yes, I have an individual relationship with God. Yes, I go before his throne individually. Yes, he speaks to me. But that speaking to me doesn't really get fleshed out until I come together. Guys, this is like a lesson. I don't know. I, before I was ever in ministry, before I was you know, ever leading a church, or he began to show me the value of gathering together. I was just a young college student. And... Man, you know what? I needed my church to live. Do you know what I mean? I mean, every week I was the one at the altar, you know. I was the one, you know, repenting for the party for the night before or whatever. I I assure you, you know, I still party, but I mean, I'm not smoking weed anymore or anything like that. (laughs) But I was then. Are you hearing me? But I was there. And lo and behold, you know what happened when I was there? I was changed. And lo and behold, you know what happened when I was there? He began to use me. Not just in the gathering, but on the campus. As an activated believer. And a few, oh, it's been about a month ago, God began to speak to me about the power of your presence. In his presence. The power of you being there. Gathering. Because there's something supernatural that happens when we gather. And you can't, all of you that are listening online, I'm great you're listening online, but I'm telling you what, it doesn't replace this. It doesn't replace gathering. There is something that happens when we come together and we assemble ourselves. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says this. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. That means they had this trouble then. But exhorting one another... And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Well, I'll tell you, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And someday, Jesus is coming back. And I'm not going to put a date on it, but I know I'm closer than I was when I was in college. I mean, back then, we thought he was coming, man. You know, don't have babies. Woe unto them that give suck in that day. I mean, we were like so crazy. You know, but 
We lived our life like he was coming tomorrow. You, under, you understand what I'm saying? And there is something about assembling. It's not all, ca- I mean, it's, yes, we have community. Yes, it's casual. But there's a place where we engage when we come. Some people come and are not present. We're not present in what is happening. And we underestimate the fact that we are called to assemble. And not just to assemble, to assemble as something that's called a lively stone. A living stone that's being built into something. And it looks like something. Listen to this. If indeed, this is 1 Peter 2, 3 through 5. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone. Who is the first living stone? Jesus, who was rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also. Say, me too. It's all about Jesus. Yes, but me too. Jesus was the living stone. Guys, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's done it all. But he needs us as living stones to become activated in his house. Being built up into a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what we did this morning. We came together and we offered spiritual sacrifices. And if we do nothing else but are present in worship. Present. Not detached. His presence comes in. I felt his presence today. He adjusted some things in me. He changed me. But we underestimate. Well, they don't really need me. I mean, I'm not really doing anything. And I've heard this, and we say it. It's not all about butts in the seat. And that's true. But it is about butts in the seat that are activated. I'm being honest. If two or three are gathered in his name, he's what? In the midst. One can put a thousand to flight. Two, ten thousand. It multiplies when we are. He's never needed a lot of people. He just needs a few that are engaged. And he builds this thing that's, I don't even understand it completely. But I know and have experienced over a lifetime that it changes me. I'm talking about me. It changes me. When I come together with believers and set in his presence, and I am present in the process, he changes me because something happens. It's this spiritual house that he's building. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Say, I'm no longer a stranger or foreigner. but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building 
being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. This building isn't the temple. We are. It's just a tool that we come together in and something supernatural gets built. I don't understand how it all operates. But it's cool. I benefit from it. Every week when I come and I assemble with the saints, I'm changed in his presence. And this does something inside of us because that whole building that's being built is fitted together as a holy temple to the Lord. And we become together the dwelling place of God. You see, the church, God's building. And he's building it one brick at a time. But he needs those bricks to be in the wall. You know what? It doesn't take but get rid of just a few bricks in a wall and it'll come crumbling down. You don't think you're important? I'm hearing the king and the call is coming out for his saints called by his name to begin to gather again, begin to come together again, begin to stand together again, to begin to engage as a co-laborer with Christ again, to be empowered and activated by him. Because our presence is being summoned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is what God is saying. Come, engage, ask, pray, seek. If it means we have to turn off the news for a while, turn it off. Engage again. You see, he directs my life to flow with him as I engage in the church. We are the church. 90% of walking with God is showing up. I'm going to be honest. That's what it is. It's showing up to prayer. It's showing up to church. It's going on outreach. It's showing up in the morning. Lord, here I am. Send me. It's just showing up. You know? I mean, we make it so complicated. Well, I'm not really doing anything. Yes, you are. You're coming. Today, you came. Right? You engaged. You worshipped the king. And something supernatural was built here. And you know what? Lives are changed through the adjustments that he does with us. I mean, it causes us to run better. You know, I used to tell Marlon, I am really a very low-maintenance, you know, wife. I, I'm pretty low-maintenance. You know, I mean, I'm not a super needy woman. Let me just put it that way. That's okay. I mean, everybody's different, but I'm not. But I told him, you know, every now and then, honey, I do need an oil change, right? Who would say yes to that? Every now and then. I mean, it'd just be kind of nice. Every now and then. Where you'd think about, you know... Anyway, I'm not going to get on a rabbit trail. But you know what I mean. Well, every one of us need weekly adjustments to run better. And right now, we need it more than ever. And the enemy of our souls is wanting us to be disengaged. 
Because I'm telling you guys, there is something brewing. It doesn't look like it. Some of us says leading churches, it's crazy right now. We don't know who's with us, who's not with us. It's crazy. You know, people are like depressed and there's so much anxiety and nobody's making money but working twice as hard. Who relates? But there is something that is brewing. It feels extremely familiar to me. And the seeds of revival are going to spring up and it's going to look different and be different than we expect. And we that are present right now, he wants to use us to help those who are coming. But he can't do it if we're not present. we got to be there. we got to show up. We're still on this earth. Listen, I am tempted every day. I am older than I've ever been. And God, you're sending us to Cuba? They're in revolution right now. I don't even know if I get to rent a car. I don't know if I can ride a bicycle. Do you know how old I am? Have you made a mistake? Can I have another word? Because, you know, you kind of gain a little bit of a reputation or something, and you just kind of could drift. But I heard Christine Kane say this this week, and it just really ministered to me. She said, you know, I could just drift. And nobody else would know. But Jesus will know. Are we adrift? Or are we present in what he's doing? Listen, I want to be present in what he's doing. And as soon as he opens the doors, we're going again. And I want to be present with the young people that are coming through. Because somebody put their arm around me when I still was imperfect and was present and was keen and saw what God wanted to do in a young 19-year-old girl. And she fanned that flame and helped me. She has no, well, she does now. She's in heaven. But at the time, she had no idea what would actually happen. But she took a raw disciple of Jesus and set an example for her, without judgment and without religion, which was amazing at that time because she had been raised all of her life as assembly of God. She had been raised where you had to wear a uniform and you had to do this and you couldn't wear pants and you couldn't do this. and It was a bunch of couldn't and couldn't and couldn't and couldn't. But God really began to move in that church. And she said, if God called me to wear a uniform, I would. But he hadn't called me to wear a uniform. Somehow this older woman broke out of religion enough to be able to help this very unreligious, impassioned young person who was still sinning but yet laying out hands on the sick and they were recovering. Prophesying. You guys, they're not going to come in all clean and fresh and nice and they're not even going to pay attention right. They're not even going to sit straight and they're going to cuss and they're going to talk bad and they're going to do stuff. Hello. But hey, Jesus cleans the fish. We just teach, we minister, we wipe noses, we clean bottoms, right? This isn't like a glamorous job, disciples making disciples. It's just like living together, being present in people's lives. I'm going to close with this little story. You know, there's been a lot of loss that people have suffered this last year in different ways. And one of the losses that we had this year was an older gentleman in our church. 
ever lovingly called Grandpa Joe. He's been in our church since 1979. And he went to Jesus this year. And we were sitting at the table with his family. Um, his children, they were teenagers at the time, were in Marlon and I's very first youth group. And I was sitting across the table from his son, who my husband and I had the privilege of marrying him and his wife. They no longer live in Denver. They live somewhere else. and they've, you know, But their journey always reconnects because of Grandpa Joe, you know. And um, we were sitting across the table, and he got really teary-eyed. And this guy is, you know, he's, they're, they're very active in a church. He's doing really well. And, you know, we're just, you know, we're proud of him in so many ways, him and his wife. They're just such a strong couple. She's an attorney. And, oh, he makes all kind of money doing something in the tech field, which I don't understand. But anyway, and um, they're just really good family. And they're going through a real, tra- you know, real hard time right now because she got another diagnosis of cancer. And we're trusting the Lord with them. But we're sitting across the table, and he said something to Marlon and I. This is kind of where this started in my heart. And he said, you know, he just started to cry and tear up. He said, I just want you both to know that you have had such an impact in my life. And I'm thinking, they live in another you know, area, they're, he said, you know, you've just always been present in my life. We didn't really do anything. We didn't really, you know, we counseled them premarital, but I mean, we would just see them at family gatherings, and, and we, were, we were there. We were always there. With them, you know, we'd go to birthday parties or whatever the celebration was. We were present and had no idea the impact. Do not underestimate the power of presence. You are requested by the king to be engaged with him and collaborate with him. Those times when you're tired and you have an invite, and the Lord is, who's ever experienced that? As pastors, you get invited to everything. People are like, we're sorry we didn't invite you. I'm like, thank you. No. You know, we're taking vitamins now, guys. I'm being really honest. We're trying to run this race, you know. I mean, Marlon has all kinds of teas and powders and amino energy and all this. I'm like, what? I mean, we are just trying to stay. Our our energy levels are lower. And there's times when you just don't want to go, right? But when that Holy Spirit nudges you, go. And then don't underestimate the power of your presence in this process with Jesus. Okay? Okay. God bless you guys. That's such a powerful word. And what I have to share, I want you to keep in mind the word of the being present and the, the presence of the Lord and the presence of us being where we need to be. I was looking through my notes to see what I might be able to cut out. <laughs> 
but it's a good word. If you can just bear with us a little longer, would that be all right? Um, well, you can get up and leave whenever you want to, I guess. So, uh, Hallelujah. But I wanted to share just a simple thing about the power of the name of Jesus. And I almost, I don't know why I start tearing up with that. But there is, there, there is such a thing I think we, we miss at times um, with the name of Jesus. I know um, there's always stories about how there's been criti- criticism when you pray publicly in the name of Jesus. Franklin Graham was, was uh, telling how when he prayed at the inauguration of George Bush and he prayed the memorial service at the Columbine High School and, and uh, how, how he was criticized for t- taking the name of Jesus and even criticized by clergy because it was thought to be offensive. And he wrote a book, The Name, and he says, Why is it when people you curse using the name, hardly anybody complains, but if you speak with him about him with respect, some cr- people cry foul, what is it about the name that brings such comfort and healing to millions, yet provokes in others such a venomous hatred and defense? And that's been the thing throughout the ages. Even in the, in, the, in the early days of the church, in Acts chapter 14, there was the rulers, the scribes, the, the Pharisees, the Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas. They were all of the family of the high priest. They were all gathered together in Jerusalem. And... Uh, they commanded Peter and John not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But they did anyhow and were thrown in prison and God supernaturally opened the doors of prison and they were found the next morning in the tabernacle or in the place of worship teaching and preaching on the name of Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 5 the story goes they brought them in, they beat them and commanded them again not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. What is it about this name? I mean, to pray in the name of Jesus, it's not just a catchy phrase that we you know, end our, our prayer with or somehow validates what we say. Uh, It's for the glory of God and the honor of His kingdom and in the spirit of pure unselfishness. It's with the character and the heart of Jesus that I I pray. The name of Jesus, it can't be fooled with. It can't be used lightly. Inherit in the name of Jesus is not only the resource of all His authority but also the fullness of His nature and His character. You remember the story in Acts chapter 19 about the sons of Sceva. Seven sons of Sceva, a high priest. Paul was doing a lot of things, working, preaching. A lot of miracles were happening. And he took their sweatbands, the handkerchief and the stuff that he had on his clothes and stuff, and they brought it to other people. And they were healed and delivered and the demons went and all that kind of stuff. And... And uh, by the way, that's not to be used as a model to pray for healing and deliverance, as some people do. I remember so well sometime watching TV uh, years ago, get your red string, death on demons, you know. 
and you, you, pay, you pay for it. Well, that's not the way it's to, to happen. We might as well then just get some dirt and spit on it and make mud and put it on people's blind eyes so that they can see. That's what Jesus did. You see, it's, we follow and are obedient to the Lord in, in what it's, it's not that we do what, this is, what they do, what is said in Scripture, but we are obedient to the Lord and we lay hands on the sick. They said they shall recover. Amen? So it goes on and says, So some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, in verse 13, took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord of Jesus, or call upon the Lord Jesus, over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Verse 6, 15, And then the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who, the, who, who, who are you? <laughs> then the man in whom the evil spirit ha- that was in the the evil spirit that was in the man leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now look at verse 17. And this became known both to the Jews and Gentiles dwelling in Ephesus, and the fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. There was an awe, there was a respect, there was a like uh, a lightning a light came on and said, you know, this, this is the real deal. I mean, the name of Jesus is not to be fooled with. This, is, this has power. This, what, what Paul is preaching and what they are doing in the name of Jesus, this has impact. This changes lives. But, okay, let's go to, I'm trying to kind of move on here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. All authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But to go, I've got to be present, right? You can't go as an absentee. If we are to go, you've got, you, you, you have to be present in going, right? All authority given to me. Therefore, go. There's only one way to go. There's only one way to be present. And that's in the name of Jesus. The one who has authority. The one who has told us to go. Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20 says, Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth as concerning anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them on my Father which is in heaven. Now that's a great statement. It's a great statement of fact. But I think we miss out what God is saying if we just quote it on its own. You can't just use this verse on its own. Verse 20. The reason is because, I mean, the reason for this happening is verse 20. For there were where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there 
in the midst of them. And I would suggest, again, we can't take verse 20 on its own. We quote it. Uh, two or three gathered or gathered together. You know, there I am in the midst. Uh, we gather together in our services. We gather together in homes or something. That's not necessarily mean that God is in our midst. The key here is in agreeing. Amen? Agreeing together. In other words, being in one accord. Being in unity. And in that being in one accord and, and being in agreement, there's got to be you've got to be present. Not just there, physically, but present. Awake. Agreeing. Activated. So he was telling us why he is doing, why he is answering our prayers because of our agreement together. So the name of Jesus, we know is above every name, right? At His name, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. How can that name be so important? There's no other name whereby we must be saved, Acts 4 says. That name can save us. In Colossians 1, chapter 5, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, He says, He is, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That means, that Greek word image there, means the exact revelation and representation of God. The firstborn of all creation. The firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. There is nothing that is above Jesus. And when, he, when we carry His name, it represents all that He is. It's, a power, it's an incredibly powerful thing. And sometimes we just need to meditate on that because we've got we've to know this. I mean, we use the name of Jesus. We know it's powerful and stuff. But yet, there's a revelation of the incredible authority and power that is backed up with the name of Jesus Christ that when we use it in the present, activated by the Spirit of the Lord, there is deliverance, there is healing, there is there's saving power. It's an, it's an amazing thing to, to meditate on. We need to realize that. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, it says, God at various times and various ways spoke to in past to the fathers by the prophets, has in this last days to us spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also... He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, that means the radiance of His glory, the outshining of His glory, of outshining of the Father, and the express image of His person. The, again, the, the revelation, the representation, the exact representation of God. 
and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, He, as He has by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did He ever say, You are My Son, today I have begotten you. Now, so his name came by inheritance, right? It's something that he inherited. But how did he inherit that name? He didn't inherit anything in heaven before he came to earth because he was already had everything. He didn't inherit it when he came to earth because in Philippians he says he emptied himself of all honor and glory. When did he inherit it? When God says, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. That's when he inherited a more excellent name. The day he was begotten. But what day was that? Begotten means to be born. And so a lot of people think that he was begotten when he came into the world as a baby in Bethlehem. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, right? And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we think, well, that's when Jesus was born as a baby. But that's not really true. The Son of God wasn't born as he took on flesh. He preexisted with the Father. He just took on a body. Hebrews 10.5 says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering... You did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. When was he begotten? Acts 13.33 says, God has fulfilled this for us, his, their children, that in that he raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Jesus was begotten by the Father was born when he was raised up by the strong right arm of the Lord. He was the firstborn from the dead. He was the first to be brought alive from being dead. He became like we were, separated from God. Completely and totally separated from God because he took on the sin. And for the first time, this man who was without sin and in perfect relationship with the Father felt the separation from God. God turned His back on him because of his sin. And Jesus cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? And he tasted death. The kind of death that every one of us have been brought life, have been quickened. We were dead in trespasses and sin, but He has quickened us. He had brought us life. And Jesus, completely separated from God, went to hell in our place.
physical death would have done nothing for us. We know he died on the cross. And when we talk about him dying on the cross, a lot of times we think of him dying physically. You know, from the torture and all that, 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 that horrible death. By his stripes who were healed. But I'll tell you, it was the spiritual death that made the difference. He died spiritually. Completely separated and severed from God. And he tasted that for all of us. And he went into hell. And then God raised him up into life. Being the firstborn from the dead. He was the perfect sacrifice. And this was, he was the first one who was raised from the dead spiritually and brought to life. The firstborn. He became what we were. That we might become what he is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he has made him to, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When that becomes a reality, <laughs> there's tears, but when that becomes a reality in our lives, it can't help but change us. And there is nothing greater. nothing greater than experiencing and living in the life of God. He made us alive. That's what, that's what God does. He doesn't make bad people good. He brings alive dead people. <laughs> brings life to those of us who are dead in our trespasses and sins. Makes us alive. And we can live and walk in the incredible power of the name of Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we be present. I mean, not just there, but present. You know what I mean? Engaged, activated, agreed. Being obedient to God's plan and purposes. An incredible thing of just the simplicity of the power of the name of Jesus that we use in prayer, that we use all the time. But let's not use it flippantly. 
But when we use in Jesus' name, and what we do in Jesus' name, and what we speak in Jesus' name, it has all authority back in it. And all power back in it. And I think we can learn and grow in activating the power of the name of Jesus in our own lives. As we reach out to Him, He promises His presence to us. But it's just as important that we be present to Him. Amen, Charlotte? Why don't you come on up? Thank you for bearing with us this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in what? In the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All that we do is through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We just want to pray with you. I feel like some of us here, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus does. And in the power of the name of Jesus is freedom, is liberty. I just, I feel like there are some of you that there's been torment. It's almost like it gets you up at night. You might be in this room, you might be watching, but it's the kind of torment in the mind that literally wants to take you out. I was sensing that as Marlon was preaching about the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we come right now in the powerful name of Jesus. We speak to that torment, that fear. Lord, let your love cover our minds, our souls, our bodies with your grace. This morning, Lord, penetrate through all of our Christian cliches and let your freedom and liberty come to these minds in the name of Jesus. Lord, that there would be breakthrough, that there would be purpose, that you would bring alive again, God, even dreams that have been put on the shelf, that you want to blow the wind of your spirit and cause the dust to come off. And then again, Lord, those things would be resurrected from the dead. You specialize, oh God, our great King Jesus, in taking dead things and making them alive. Lord, we pray for this church, for Impact Rock. We pray for their leadership and continue to stand with this church for breakthrough in Erie, Colorado. Breakthrough in this region into Boulder. Breakthrough into Boulder County, God, by your Spirit. Lord, let them not minimize their part in the big picture of your kingdom. Let us, your people, God, not minimize the power that you has put resident within us. That in your name, demons tremble. At your name, 
cancer falls. At your name, poverty is broken. At your name, Lord, governments shake. And help us, O oh God, in this time to put our trust and our confidence in that name that is above every name. The mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for the victory. We thank you, Lord God, for the life that you've given us. Father God, let the lion roar as we take authority over the works of the enemy and the lies and the destruction in Jesus' name. And we loose, God, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth across this land in the name of Jesus. And let the gentleness of the Holy Spirit bring healing and life and health in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for working in our hearts and bringing revelation of who you really are. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.